Hello there, friends. Andrew with the Bangs here. I spoke last week with a friend of mine named Mars. He has a YouTube channel called Transbra, and he wanted to speak with me about the nature of sin and the LGBTQ community and the church. And in the end, it actually turned out to be more of a conversation about why those members of the church community and the Christian community need to learn to love better. And he ended up calling that episode Loved As I Am. I wrote to my Symbolic World community, which is a Jonathan Peugeot fan group. And this uh, friend of mine, Joel, gave some really interesting responses. I was looking for advice on what to say on this talk with my friend Mars. And his responses were very thought-provoking. So I asked him on my show to discuss his perspective of what is marriage? Why does the church community have such difficulty with allowing those LGBTQ members in? And what can we learn from those on the margins? This is a more symbolic look. If you're familiar with Jonathan Peugeot's work, it, it kind of has that perspective. Um, I interviewed Peugeot a couple weeks back. So um, even if you are not a believer in God, it's interesting to see an internal look, uh, an internal, I guess you could even say critical look on why we need to have this conversation and how it is long overdue. Oh, and as always, leave me a comment. Please make them respectful, even if you disagree. I'm sure you guys will. You're a good community. But yes, also, uh, if you haven't yet, please don't forget to subscribe. Hello, Joel. Thank you for joining me for a discussion. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. I'm I'm looking forward to it. But I'm super stoked. Good, because that's a good place to be for tough topics. So, okay, yep. the, just to give a little background, I spoke on my friend Mars's channel called Transbra last week. And we yep. spoke about the LGBTQ community and the church and sin. And by we, I mean, I did. And I I put a question out on um, the group we're part of for Jonathan Peugeot, the symbolic meaning group on Facebook. And you had some cool answers that I liked that were outside of the box. And so I wanted to discuss them with you further. Sure. Sure. Okay. So the question I started with was about the idea of um, the margins versus the center. And like, what does yep. it look like? And what happens when the margins move into the center? But it, that didn't really even get answered. Like I, I, you know, the, I gave a, the context of what I was talking about. And so it yeah. just immediately moved to a sort of very binary, oh, we're talking about homosexuality. Okay, well, here's my talking points that I have looked yeah. into. Not faulting people for that, but I wasn't 100% looking for that. Um, I actually wasn't looking for that at all. <laughs> So, but then you gave some interesting answers. So can you tell me why you think it went that way in the first place? Um, I think that people are just 
geared to find the answer and they just want to sort of run their script of, okay, this is what I believe. I've thought it through and blah, here's the result. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's a product of the nature of online communication because everything is truncated um, because you just get your little blurb spot where you get to say your two cents. And so you tend to hit with your punchiest stuff. Right. Right. Um, I know one person in that conversation linked the whole video where he had explained sort of elaborated his understandings. And I watched that. And I mean, that was, that was all right. But generally people just stick with the, with the little sound bites. And then I think when we're talking about these kinds of issues, especially when you're dealing with uh, like a, community or people that have a deep tradition in one way you're mm-hmm. you're never going to get a lot of deviation i don't think at least it's less likely that people are going to go way outside the bounds because it's been such a thing that's been hammered over and over and over again like i grew up in a church and the sort of this one perspective of the issue was just that was just it this is the perspective and uh yeah debate is closed here are the answers Right. Okay. So. Okay. Why Why is the debate closed in that sense, but then not in other senses of, say, women wearing head coverings or something like that? Like, that's not really, I mean, maybe that's in smaller... very No, that's very, I mean, that's, I think that people uh, are blind to their own, <laughs> their own way of behaving. They don't notice the double. Okay. A standard that they apply to things. So I think some things, when they come up in social consciousness, um, and the social climate is such that change is happening, then you're going to see a lot of deviation um, and a lot more willingness to explore. Whereas if it's sort of still in the closet, so to speak, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's just they don't. That just stays the way it is. So there's going to be issues like I probably I probably have a lot of issues that I I differ greatly on with the majority of um, Christians as far as their traditional beliefs of how things work. And mm. um, that's fine. But that's it's just because those issues haven't progressed to a point where um, they the community is ready to change them, I guess. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because these kinds of conversations of being more open about exploring rather than just the binary yes and no or right yeah. or wrong, there, I mean, I'm just seeing like a few now, you know? Yeah. I think that uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is a video you just did with Jonathan Peugeot about the identity of the feminine and he was trying to say that the feminine frames the question and the feminine sort of sets the field sets the probability um and i think that's lacking in our society oh uh, um, okay and mm-hmm. i mean that's an entire conversation right. in a different direction but i think that we have just we've lost that ability socially to really ask good questions okay we're very we're very good at throwing out our scripted answer Mm -hmm. that's all you get that's all you get on tv Mm -hmm. that's all you get like from the politicians that's all you get culturally not just in in religious circles yeah we don't ask good questions we ask questions that confirm our biases like the answer is already implicit in the question so why are you even asking the question and i think that that happens a lot so And, and it's okay to ask questions 
Like that's it's the thing. Necessary to okay, ask questions. Yeah, okay, so yeah, let's even up the ante. It's necessary. So yeah, I to prep for my talk with Mars, I watched a lot of um, Paul Vanderclay's videos because he's sort of he's meanderingly going through the sex lives of the patriarchs to get eventually to talk about gay marriage, which I find very interesting. He's not answered it at all yet, which of course makes sense because he's like, I'm going to take the long way around. But he does say that it's not the binary right or wrong isn't useful any longer. Not helpful in our I think cultural context. I've watched those videos just recently because we You're were talking, talking. Yeah. and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And you mentioned him and I've seen one or two of his videos before. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go check him out. Okay. And the sex lives of the patriarchy is just, that's just a great video. Yeah. Um, and a great title. Yeah. Um, of the patriarchs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like so good. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I think he's doing a really good job of actually trying to ask a good question or get the question well built in the listener's mind mm -hmm. because it's currently not well built. And okay. a lot of, I think a lot of questions, especially when you get into these deep meaning religious questions, they're just not well constructed. Okay. I don't think, I don't think the church historically, I don't, like me and now I'm not an expert on church history, but I don't think it necessarily saw the need to ask the question at sort of the laity level that deep. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, here's our rituals, here's our tradition, this is how you participate, this is this is what we're doing, and if you have any questions, then please <laughs> go leave, go by the door. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Just keep it down, or we'll we'll talk later. But there wasn't. So I think what he's doing there is really good at at really pulling apart the preconceived biases is what he's, what I see him doing. So right. he's like pulling apart these ideas of what is traditional marriage. So he's playing off, he's playing the ideas off of traditional marriage off against the patriarchs. Right. And right. you, he's forcing you to, to recognize the contrast and you can't just take like Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and say, ah, we're they don't count. They our, don't count. Yeah, they don't, they don't count. Like if they don't count, none of it counts. So right, he, because context, right? He, I think he understands that he's he's playing a very like it's a rhetorical trick, but it's very good. Like he's playing something that he knows that has that trumps traditional, the traditional marriage. Okay. I that's what I see. Maybe for some people it won't, um, and they'll say no, I don't care what the patriarchs did. The traditional marriage is traditional marriage. Right. But I think he's trying to play those two to get some space where he can where the question can be asked because right now there's no space it's like right. there's no space for the question okay the answer like i said the answer is already assumed in the asking okay so how did you give space for yourself to be willing to ask in your own mind uh probably spending like a good 10 years and more probably closer to 20 years in solid doubt and a good 10 years in just absolute denial. So okay. I'm coming at the whole thing from the other side. And it, I think it gives me a little bit more uh, freedom or willingness to say, eh, I, I, I already see issues with the way people interpret and understand things. And so for it to be one more thing, and it's actually, I would say one of the first things, one of the first 
earliest memories I have of saying, whoa, this doesn't seem right is when I was um, still a teenager, probably a young teenager, and there was um, a vote in government or something about same-sex marriage in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I'm in Canada, too. Yeah, but not everybody, right? Oh, oh sorry. Oh, uh, no, yeah, I didn't actually know where you were. I forgot to totally even introduce you very well. So where are you at right now? I'm in uh, London, Ontario. Oh, okay. I'm in And um, anyway, so I, had, I was too young to really understand much of what was going on, but the church got politically motivated, which is how it entered my consciousness, uh-huh. because all of a sudden I'm at church and people are talking about who you're going to vote for and how you're going to, like— write letters to your politicians and whatever and it was all about this gay marriage debate and maintaining the traditional family values or whatever the rhetoric was and i remember being very confused by it because i couldn't understand what the problem was okay and up until then like i kind of got the ethics of my religious tradition like it made sense to me Mm -hmm. even the stuff that seems like well why would you say that i could work out okay i can see what what they were driving at even Mm -hmm. if i might not agree with all the details i can understand what they're driving at and when it got to the issue of gay marriage I, i just didn't understand where they were getting the idea of you know, it shouldn't, there shouldn't be homosexuality or there shouldn't be gay marriage or there shouldn't, this negative attitude towards it. It didn't, I didn't quite get it. It didn't make sense. And I think that was one of the first, that was probably one of the first times where I, I, the space started to be made where I was just like, whoa, that doesn't, I don't, it just didn't sit right. Okay. It's taken a long time for me to like understand why it didn't sit right. But, um, okay. Yeah. Well, the next question then is why didn't it sit right? (laughs) Uh, I think, well, often when I'm looking at issues of sin and whatnot, I'm trying to understand what it is that, what's going wrong in your behavior that is going to be detrimental. And that's kind of how I first understood sin. I'm like, if God's telling us not to sin, he's telling us not to sin for a reason. Um, it's probably better if we don't. So what are the reasons why it's better? And some of them are obvious. If you're going to um, resort to stealing, you're committing harm against mm-hmm. other people, and you're also corrupting your own ethic um, and how you value yourself um, and how you value the work you do. Like all of that stuff gets devalued when you start stealing. Um, and that made sense to me. But when it came to homosexuality, I was just like, if two people love each other, then what's the beef? Like, where's this harm coming from? And what are we trying to avoid? What's the big thing we're trying to avoid when we say, oh, you know, you shouldn't have homosexual relationships. Um, I didn't, it just didn't, there's just nothing there. It's just, it's all like appeals to authority is the best I could find. It was just like, well, it says in the Bible here, it says in the Bible there, and therefore we don't agree. And I, I, that's just a weak answer, in my opinion. So Okay, so I want to get into why you think it's a weak answer. Because there are, again, we're, Paul has not reached the New Testament yet. We're way back in the beginning in Genesis. So I feel like it's yeah. going to be a while before I get my answers there. But, like, from his perspective. But for you, I'm thinking of verses from 
like Paul, Paul's letters and whatnot um, in the New Testament. Those are usually pointed out regarding... I have my reasons why I'm thinking it might not be the proper look because of historical context, but I'm wondering what you what you have to say on that. I think that a lot of this more recently has come down to my understanding of the symbolism of language and how language is, even if we're speaking the same words, there's no guarantee we understand each other mm -hmm. um, because the words I'm saying may not mean the same thing that I think they mean to you. Right. And I can give you a series of words or a construct or an idea. And to you, it's going to um, just miss. Okay. You're going to be like, I don't, I don't get it. And mm -hmm. I run into these conversations all the time because we actually have like very rapidly pulling apart, like symbolic understandings of language. And that's, I think why so many people, especially politically can't communicate anymore because the words they're using literally don't mean the same thing in right. each person's sort of understanding mm -hmm. and what those things are connected to because a word is more than just like a word is more than just a reference to an object or an action or an emotion or whatever it has a network of connections right and how that network of connections operates in our understanding is difficult i think to really wrap your heads around but I think that when we talk about things like uh, homosexuality or anything, but we're on homosexuality. So when, when we talk about homosexuality and we go and we look at, say, somebody else from like the 1960s and we talk about homosexuality, it's not going to, the conversation is going to be weird because the way they understand the problem is completely different than the way we understand the problem or the mm. issue is not a problem. But, um, how and there's going to be a disconnect even within our own culture you can have two people talking about it and there's going to be a, a large disconnect depending on what their preconceived sort of no answers are mm -hmm. uh, and then when you go back and back and back through time and then you cross languages and interpretations and then you say this is what somebody said in the book and I, it's the fact that they use certain words that reference certain things doesn't mean that's what they meant it's a lot more complicated to understand what somebody's intent was in saying a thing or what a culture's intent was in making something like a prohibition against something. Like what's the prohibition against eating like unclean food? Like there's cleanliness. Yeah. In the desert. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's more than just cleanliness. Symbolically, like it's tied in, yes. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. tied into all these other ideas and we don't get those ideas. So to us, it doesn't make sense, which is why it's so easy for us to just leave it be. It's like we don't need to do that, um, and we have our various religious reasons for doing it, but fundamentally, we don't need to do that because all of the connections, the symbolic connections tied up with those dietary laws, they aren't relevant in our like symbolic understanding of food. Mm. So we can't access the same sort of incarnation of truth that those people were trying to access through their dietary restrictions. It's like, a, it's like a dead ritual to us. It's just, they did a thing and we don't really understand why it's for, for cleanliness, but it would no right. doubt it was for much, much more than right. cleanliness. Okay. So that's, so that's figured out though for us, but this, this it, one's holding on. Yes. And yeah. And like, to be clear, I, I am 
Like, I actually was watching a, a Paul video before I was chatting with you. Just kind of shake the nerves. And um, and he said something along the lines of, like, I'm a wanderer. Will I wander over the line? Absolutely. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to be me, man. I just, I, I am so wanting to wander around to find these things because being stagnant is just death to me. So, yeah. And if it's the yeah. right thing, you'll wander back. Like, that's what it kind of feels like to me. Um, so that's just where I'm coming from. Um, oh, so many directions. Why it's stuck? Okay, I'll start with first. Well, let's let's stuck. let's go with Paul. Um, okay. And his his uh, sex lives with the uh, the patriarchs. Okay. Um, because I think that's a good place to sort of frame what I just said about food, and then let's okay, shift let's it. Okay, let's go there. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think he's starting with the sex lives of the patriarchs? Well, he talks about the um, the the primogenitor idea of. The, uh, the marriage was an institution created because of the inheritance laws mm -hmm. of the cultures. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you can kind of now I again, I'm not the expert that he is on this and I'm not a historian by any means. Um, I just like to read a lot and think about things a lot. So um, in the minds of these patriarchs, these tribal leaders or these heads of families, um, they are trying to understand their place in reality their place in the world what am i doing here and it's the same question we all have and this is why you always come this is why the book is still relevant it's the same question we all have what am i doing here what's my purpose and for a lot for these tribal cultures they kind of viewed at least in my mind and again this is my interpretation and i'm trying to say it in a way that uh you're, you're, you're going to understand. So I'm kind of mythologizing a bit. This isn't facts. Somebody's going to come on and say, oh, these aren't the facts. I'm like, I don't really care about the facts. I'm trying to get an idea in your head okay. of how these things flow. And so this person is going to be sitting there trying to figure out who he is. And he's going to have a way of being that was taught to him by his father and taught to him by his father and taught to him by his father. And it's all moving where? Well, we're building up. We're building up to what? to some kind of glory, some kind of greatness. We're going to try and get away from, we're trying to get our own land. We're going to become our own people. We're going to rule ourselves with our own king. Mm. Um, it's this like, almost like this crescendo through history. I think this is why the lineages are so important because they're looking back and through all of their suffering and all of their trials and they're naming the names of everyone who kept the dream alive. Okay. And brought it to this moment and mm. that's why these people are so important to them and if you're going to take your inheritance all this all the stuff you've accumulated and you have this idea of greatness and you just give it to all your children mm -hmm. the next generation is going to be impoverished compared to you so you stack the deck you give it all to one and then he carries it on to the next generation. And then he carries, and that, I think that's where this idea comes from, is you're, if you're gonna build up to something, you're going to just keep doubling down your bet. You're not gonna spread it out between all your kids because then they only have like 1 20th of your income, okay. of your wealth. Mm -hmm. So they were, and that's where this idea of the primogenitor comes in, this idea of marriage. But that's not what we use marriage for at all. And I think marriage, over time, we began to understand there was a different truth to marriage, mm. that um, marriage was working towards something of its own, which is why it 
over time became more and more sacred, more and more exclusive until we had the traditions we have now. And well, I think what's this it is... working towards? Like what's what's it working towards in what space in time? Are we talking about now or or some All the Solomon way until now. I think thing? now I think now we've lost the plot and okay. so we just point to the symbols or the um the rules of the ritual okay. and we say we have to follow all the rules because we don't really understand what the ritual is doing oh but wait I... that's really important what you just said like you like that's yeah. a sound bite Sorry, i'm just <laughs> like i'm gonna point it out right now it, can you say can you go over that um we don't understand what marriage is directed towards like we don't understand what the goal of marriage is fundamentally yeah. as like a transcendent idea. We so don't know we the rules just, of the ritual. We know the we rules just of follow, the ritual. Yeah, we know all the rules that we're supposed to follow and we just follow the rules and it leads to bad questions because it's like, what are we doing here? Well, we're following the rules. Well, that's not really going to help you figure out what to do next. And I think that um, and this ties back into another pattern that I see constantly is this idea that, um, and again, I'm getting into these ideas of God. So if you don't believe in God, I'm sorry. Um, and then, uh, that... <laughs> I'm listening to this fun, uh, talk, I guess that's uh, stuff you don't believe in. Uh, the idea that God uses, God gives us the freedom, but uses whatever we do to his glory eventually, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that this idea that, and we see it in Israel asking for judges. They don't want to be ruled by the patriarch or, or have that really close connection to God. They want the judge in there, and mm -hmm. then they want the king in there. And every time God's saying, no, 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 um, well, not really no, but, you know, he's warning against it. This is unnecessary. And then they do it anyway, and then God still brings them glory, even though they, they went the way he said not to. And marriage is kind of, I see it kind of the same way, because you have this idea of we're going to build our greatness through our might and our wealth and our accomplishments. And we're going to come up with a ritualized system in our society of primogenitor and legitimate heirs so that we can legalize this we can enshrine this into our culture this idea okay but then but then that's not what marriage ended up being marriage is not a primogenitor tradition anymore and i think that as we started engaging in the ritual we began to understand that the idea of one relationship exclusive of all other relationships with a level of intimacy that is far above all other relationships is the closest we can get here and now to the relationship mm -hmm. to the divine. Okay. And I think that's why we end up with books like Song of Solomon that make that connection. Mm -hmm. They snap and Jesus comes again. He snaps that connection back again when he talks about the relationship between Christ and the church um, or all, all through the New Testament. Um, so I think that marriage itself as a ritual is pointing towards this idea that there's one reality that we engage with and the and while we can engage with that through you know the long life that we live of engaging in these traditions and we following other people but we also get a taste of it in marriage in mm -hmm. marriage is the closest we can get in just bodily form to that relationship and it's how um so the question now would be if that's what marriage is about, if marriage is about 
how do you develop that intimate relationship? How do you find your identity in one other, not in a multiplicity of others? How do you find your identity in one other person? And then uh, that's, that should be a much bigger question for what to do with marriage and how to have an effective marriage versus um, make sure you don't have sex before marriage and then make sure you marry one person and it's the opposite gender and then make sure you stay like you can see all the same elements in in the rules right now that you see the pattern all the elements are there but yeah. we we just say the rules and it's like yeah but why and yes. then we're, and then somebody says oh what if we break the rules and you're like no no you can't break the rules but why and we don't know how to answer the question because we don't know what the ritual is pointed at so we just have to repeat and repeat and that's why i think it's a dying tradition like marriage is in crisis everywhere mm -hmm. because we don't under i don't think we understand what it's for and it used to be that you engage with just the ritual and you will get it eventually uh -huh. like you'll come to an understand i doubt my grandparents when they got married had this deep understanding of what their marriage is going to be about mm -hmm. But at the end of their life, that marriage and what it means and what it's gone through is a reflection of that divine relationship, is an imitation of that divine relationship. Okay. And they would probably understand what I'm saying if I explained it to them. Mm -hmm. But they only got there from following all the rules. Now, right. we have the problem that we, we don't understand the rules. We don't under, understand where they're pointing and we're breaking them all the time. So okay. how, how will you ever follow the ritual long enough to sort of discover it on your own <laughs> okay. if you're going to get divorced when you're 30? Right. Okay. Right? Because that's the other thing is, oh, we also decided in the Christian community that divorce is okay. It wasn't yeah. at first. I mean, for like it was even and in I the 60s, wanna, it was taboo. Right. I don't want to I don't want to come out and say that divorce is like fiat not okay like that's not no, what i'm trying yeah, to say at sorry all. i'm just using the example of like sorry say that again yeah i'm just realizing that interpretation of my words is out there and i just wanted to nip that right it's not okay. that saying that marriage has to be like enforced by law i don't agree with those ideas at all um i'm just saying that maybe if we had a better understanding of what we were trying to achieve in marriage we would be a little bit more reverent with its handling yes okay and i like that and the, th the thing is, is regardless of whether it's not even talking about right or wrong, divorce is something that happens in the church that people don't really look down on. Again, no, not, not even right they, or wrong. Yeah. I'm just, it just, it's just the facts, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if you get a divorce, then what's that mean? Who cares? Well, they used to right? care. They Remember? used to care, but I would say that they probably cared because it was following the rules and they didn't know what was going to happen when we didn't follow the rules. I think if there was a, be a bigger question about what it is we're trying to achieve in marriage and how do you build stable, intimate, paired relationships in society, how do you do that? And how are we teaching people to do that? I think if that's how we approach the questions, we probably would have come up with different answers besides just legalized divorce. So, so that's the thing that's interesting about you bringing up the, the, the sort of marriage of your grandparents and then it's, it's unraveling through the generations here. Yet we look at this other community on the margins and I don't care what people say, it is a small percentage of the population. Even if people are like, no, they're definitely in the center now. Okay, fine. But they're still like one tenth of the population or whatever the, maybe... 
maybe less than that. I don't know. But it, it's still not the main group of people. Like most the, people are still. I mean, that's yeah. the main point. That's yeah. what I'm meaning. So um, by margins, I mean they're just literally a minority right like like uh, the lgbtq yeah. community so sorry yeah. people like brought that up in the in the chat in the um in my in my my question i put up on on the talk so um i just wanted to address that but because i know people will be yelling at the the screen <laughs> they're not in the oh, margins yeah. anymore but um but anyways i'll get to that that's part of this whole idea okay yeah, so we, we okay yeah yes let's but so i just want to bring up the idea of well all this time while marriage is unraveling there is another group on the margins fighting for marriage yeah. fighting tooth and nail for this yeah. to be embodied in law for this sacred thing yeah there was definitely a very large hunger in that community to engage in a ritual that was pretty much owned by a tradition which wanted nothing to do with them and I think if that doesn't speak to the power of the ritual itself, then you're not really paying attention. Because if somebody was constantly berating and belittling me for who I was, and then do you think I'm going to clamor to like put on all the trappings of their culture? Like, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think that was lost on most people they were like <laughs> marriages are failing everywhere these people want to get married but we're going to try our hardest to make sure it doesn't happen mm -hmm. and why why are they trying to get married like what's what purpose i mean yes, we've, yeah. we've we've taken almost all the purpose out of marriage it's like it's basically just legal dating so legal dating forever <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like so oh my gosh like i'm married like i've been married for 10 years and i i'm committed but like Man, that sounds rough. Legal dating forever. Legal dating forever. It's like, yeah. why would you want to be a part of that? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that there is definitely a hunger in there and an, at least an implicit knowledge. They probably didn't articulate it um, or understand it, maybe. It so bad. Yeah, but you're right. Maybe they didn't I think, know. I think but... because of what the ritual is, and like I'm saying, it's pointing towards a higher reality, and people are trying to engage with that higher reality always. That's the human condition, is to sort of find your identity, find your meaning in this life, and justify it in some way. And I think that they saw the marriage tradition and they saw their parents growing up in it and they saw the various images and the romance of it and maybe there was an intuition that this was the thing that was missing in their own culture and they were trying to get a hold of that because mm. um, I see a lot of comments on like what people say oh you know homosexuality is more promiscuous or it's you know it's uh, the gay culture more, right more, yeah. more 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 indulgence all this stuff and it's like yeah but you won't even let them in the church i right. mean they're going to re they're going to rebel against your ideals just because you're the one they want to rebel against because you're their adversary and you were the one that chose to be their adversaries. Okay, like so, don't be don't be shocked because that's what teenagers do to their parents all the time. That's the rule. Right. Watch this, right? <laughs> right? And I right. think that um, I think that a lot of the culture that 
gets and I'm not saying that that's like that's the stereotype. I'm not saying that's what they do. I I grew right. up maybe it's because I grew up as a child and I knew like very long term stable gay like effectively marriages at yeah. the time it wasn't even legal. Right. Um, so maybe that's part of the break is I was exposed to the other side and I was like, well, no, none of the gay people I know act like that. So right, what right. are you, what are you talking about? Right. Um, but then I also spent 10 years in Toronto and I got, I got to see a few pride parades and those are a show, but I can also see where they, where that stereotype comes out. And I think that it's not shocking that that's prevalent in a community that's been so ostracized by the traditional okay. formulation of intimate relationships. Okay, so yep. that brings me to brings me to the the talking about the margins and like the idea of the foreigner of the being kind to the foreigners among you. Like, sorry, yeah. I know that um, this is symbolic in regard like yeah. language I'm using. So for those out there, I'm not calling um, the LGBTQ community. Um, foreigners but if we're going to liken it to um, what's being you know what what the rules if we're talking about the rules it's there's rules in the old testament about, about being kind to the foreigners amongst you and, and not to and to give them a place um, on the outskirts of the community when in a time context wise where you would not typically allow foreigners to be anywhere near you because it would be like it could be dangerous they're they're the out group why would you do that so mm -hmm. if from coming from that perspective that was rather tolerant actually of um moses i guess <laughs> or god <laughs> or whoever you know, wrote those rules down but um but so this is a, a marginalized community yeah and it is so not loved by the church they do not feel loved, at least yeah. from from what I uh, the, the the sort of stats I've the, heard. The popular conception. I know there's plenty of loving churches out there. Right. Again, right. I don't want to just say the stereotype is the rule. Right. But, um, yeah, I think that the idea of the hospitality to the stranger is very interesting. Because why? Why should we be hospitable to the stranger? What is what pattern is being played out mm. when we're being hospitable to the stranger. And I think that there's a few things that are necessary. One is if you never bring anything new in, you will like stagnate. Okay. We always have to bring new things in in order to grow and mm -hmm. change and adapt. And you always have to bring the outside in, the outside in. You do it in our food. We do it in our culture. We do it in everything we're always so right there you can never have a margin that's permanently excluded because the center will just collapse it'll like rigidify and then it'll just collapse under its own frailty because it okay. never bothered to feed itself on anything new okay um i think that also, from a religious perspective, and the Bible talks a lot about the creation of idols, I think that when you confuse the thing with the truth, when you confuse the fact with the truth, you create an idol. And if you create a, an idea of what something is in relation to the transcendent, and then you make it rigid, like it can never change and nothing can ever come into it because this is how we engage the divine, then 
what's the difference between the divine and it? Because it never changes. And you kind of get blinded by the it and you miss okay. the truth. And so you have to always. You what's, have to the, what's the it? It's like, what's the it? Like, can we just in, okay. insert sure. the it? For... I understand. I'm, like, I'm talking like way out there. No, um, no, it is. No, I, 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 I am with you, but then I definitely need an example. <laughs> okay. So hmm, I'm trying to think of one that isn't marriage because that's where my brain is right now. Okay. Screw it. We'll just use marriage. Okay. So if, I'm like, if, there's nothing. If, if marriage is supposed to be a way of engaging this divine ground, engaging the divine experience, and if it's a, a ritual that we can just engage in with each other that helps us understand what life and identity mean, um, great. But then if we rigify it, if we make it so set in stone with and there's like so many rules about what a marriage has to be and what you're allowed to do, then its ability to point beyond itself gets diminished because the focus is all on it. And you're not looking through the symbol to the reality. You get fo you get fixated. And, and it becomes I think the idol that you were mentioning. It becomes the idol. Okay. And it's like you end up worshiping this thing that is not giving you access to the divine, which was what its purpose was. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you break that is the exceptions to the rules break in and okay. reveal that the, that the thing, the core, the center was not the truth. The truth was beyond it. And so that bringing in of the outside, I think, is a constant reminder and refocusing that what you have isn't the truth. What you have just points to the truth. Okay. And if you treat it as if it's the truth, then you'll turn it into an idol and worship it. Okay. So why do you think that these rules were made during the Apostle Paul's time? regarding homosexuality and like do not be like the pagans and whatever the verses are i think that as well i mean greek culture it was your side thing right yeah. it's like your side if, hustle yeah your side if, relationship. If you, you you wouldn't go out and sleep with somebody else's wife because that's adultery and you wouldn't want to go around uh creating a bunch of offspring that right. might cause issue. Um, so what is a, an extremely safe way to engage in sexual release that doesn't have those burdens? Right. And homosexuality fits that bill um, or homosexual activity fits that bill. Right. And I think that for a lot of cultures, that's kind of, it was almost like they didn't, un again, they didn't understand it the way w we made our rules around it. Um, and so for them, it was, it, it never came up as, oh, you have to create this exclusive relationship and you have to, it has to be exclusive and it has to be opposite gender. And all of those ideas play into this. I mean, we aren't God. So what we are engaging with is not us. And we are often seen as the feminine to the masculine and God is working through us to bring new creation into the world. So mm. all those patterns fit the heterosexual relationship, right? Okay. Um, but if you are seeking 
your meaning through sexual encounter, you will not find God that way. Like you will not understand. It will be a constant quest for the next conquest. Like right. you're always going to, it, you'll, it will never satisfy. It is not the water of life. Right, so right, right. it's, it's a bad path. And okay. I think that he was probably talking a bit to that. Like we can talk about that in Tinder culture. Like it's right. a bad path to go down and it will. It'll never devout- satiate you. It, it will. Yeah. It'll never get you to that place you actually want to be. Yeah. Though yeah. when you're young, you don't even know what that is, but um, well, you follow, yeah. follow so the it, rules. They're there yeah. for so the you ones you don't the rules, know. I know. So, so you figure it out. Um, but I think that that's what Paul was talking to was more those ideas than okay. um, what we're talking about. Because the ideas of of sexual orientation and um, gender identity and like all those things that are all tied up in this conversation now, the, they, they didn't exist in his time period. Right. So he couldn't have been talking about them. Like there was no concept of gender identity. So how would he ever be commenting on it? He wasn't. Right. Right. He was commenting on something else. What was he commenting on? Well, maybe he was commenting on the promiscuous behavior of people who sought life's fulfillment through sexual gratification. Right. Which comes up in the early church. Yes. There's, I mean, there's other examples that aren't homosexual. Yeah. Well, temple prostitution, yeah, and there was like one of the early churches, like uh, there was a, a talk or at least a, a early Christian woman who was engaging in a lot of sexual relationships with the members of the Christian community. Um, it was obviously a very promiscuous uh, community. And I'm, I'm, I, I guess it was Paul. I mean, that's an easy shot because he's most Whichever of the, one wrote uh, the letter, he's yeah. most of the talking. But somebody yeah. was talking to this church and saying, you can't do this. Like, this can't happen. And why, uh, I know you've kind of been explaining this whole time why, but but why? Like, why can't you? Cause, because it doesn't satisfy? Yeah, if you're trying to understand, if you're trying to engage the experience of God, if you're trying to enter into a relationship with the absolute nature of reality, then don't waste your time chasing things that will never get you there. Right. Because it won't get you there. So stop. And it's hard enough now, like even if you follow all the rules, I, I, in my opinion, I, maybe there's some people there who just like, oh, yeah, I just do the religious thing and I'm like high as a kite all the time. Yeah. It's like, no, it's hard. Mm-hmm. So don't mess it up by going for quick hits on fast drugs. Right. And that's, I think, what he was warning against. Okay. Yeah, it, it's great for that evening, but it's not going to fix your problem. It's not going to fix what's wrong with you. Right. Or when they're seeking meaning wise. Yeah. yeah. It will not give you the meaning and the identity that you want. Okay. It's you're, you're just, you're just using your own body for momentary pleasure. And then Which the is moment empty, will be, right? yeah, That's the moment the will be gone and there will be nothing left. And you'll be like right? almost worse for it. That's how it seems. It. Yeah. Like, I would say that that is like in the, I mean, <laughs> in the grandest scale of things, I don't think it matters because God redeems right, right, right. Um, regardless, but it's hard on you because it's very difficult to see how you weren't devalued in the exchange. Right. Because that's the thing I think that is many 
even in the traditional space will agree is like sexual union is deep. It is meaningful. It can be meaningless, but it leaves. Yeah. It takes something as opposed to giving something. For sure. I think that's a hundred percent true. But then that's with the whole homosexuality thing. That's another thing. It's like, no, no, there's a sex thing that's going on with them. And that's, that's wrong because there's something special in sexual union. Like that's what I've heard as well. That's okay. I don't think that the sex is the special part. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) right. Like it's about the depth of the relationship and the intimacy of the relationship. It's about being exposed. It's about, um, losing yourself in another person. It is special, but I mean, I'm, what I'm saying, I, what I'm saying is that the fact that it involves certain genitalia, I don't think factors in. I don't think that's part of what the emotional experience is. Okay. And I think that the emotional okay, it's the experience emotional part that I'm thinking is special. Yeah, and I don't think that that's I don't think that that's exclusive. <laughs> To okay. straight people i mean it seems it's ridiculous to even say it out loud okay. but okay. no it's there's nothing like magical about a penis and a vagina there's there's no there's nothing <laughs> well, magical I, mean, I guess life comes forth from a yes womb, but... i mean but i mean in this in this concept it's not it's that that particular coupling is not i don't think is the the thing that marriage needs to live and die on Okay. I think that marriage is a lot more than just sex. And I think it points to a very deep relationship and a very deep identity and a very deep sense of belonging mm-hmm. that people hunger for. Mm-hmm. And to be rooted in another consciousness so intimately and permanently and irrevocably gives one a sense of grounding and orientation in the world that they will not get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. And to then say, well, if you're homosexual and you want to participate in this ritual that gives you this, like, the most permanent identity you could possibly hold, well, you can't because your organs aren't properly adapted or something. It's like, what? Like, it's just, to me, it's a non sequitur. It doesn't even make sense. Okay. But I, I'm still unclear about why the church has such trouble loving those in that community. Ooh, dangerous question. Not that we haven't already done a bunch of those. Um, <laughs> we're, do, we're already far down the rabbit hole, so. Well, I don't think, I don't hear, com, I don't hear a lot of conversations, at least popularly, mm. about what the intent of marriage is and how do you form long-term partnership like that's happens in the secular community i guess but like you can go get marriage counseling and i guess there is christian marriage counseling but it's not like a christian institution to talk about you know this is how you select a partner this is how you build a family this is the struggles you're gonna like that isn't really gone over we kind of just throw kids into it and then get surprised when they get divorced Mm -hmm. um so right there it's like what are you focused on and you get focused on these rules, like you know the institution of marriage is important, especially if you're older and you've endured some serious stuff that would have broken marriage and you got through it, like you know that that's sacred. 
-hmm. and you want that to be preserved through history for future generations. But then you get fixated on the form Mm -hmm. and make an idol out of the form and you say it has to be this way. And, and we can't love those who go against it. You can't love it's I, I don't hear that conversation. I know that exists. I don't hear that conversation. Most people are much more careful in their words, even if they okay, might I'm believe being that. A little, They'll say, I'm care. I am. I am being very loose and caricaturing it. I grew up yeah, in the church. This is my overall yeah. general that we, we are like, no, no, love the sinner, hate the sin. But like, yeah, because a lot of people are going to cool. say, oh, you know, you can be homosexual. You can't just engage in the homosexual act. Yeah, yeah, you got to be celibate for life. And it's like, uh, okay, that's a weird hoop to jump through. But, um, but I think well, that but, it's... But even that, I think, even I think that, they're that not that, like, come on, celibate gays. We, are, we want you. There's not even that. There's not even that. Yeah, not on... Not as a cultural like phenomenon. No, I think no. again, there's churches that do that, but not right. as not broadly speaking as like this is stereotypical Christian behavior. Right. Um, and that's I, what I don't. I, and get. I think, that, yeah. And that, what I'm trying to say is that I think Christians don't understand their own religion, their own ritual that well, which is why their marriages are falling apart at such an astronomical rate. Okay, and then they're judging others. And who then they don't know how ritual. to fix it. And okay. so they are clamping down on the aberrations to the oh, okay. like they're, they're they're trying to cut the margin off to make the, the center like they're trying to, to create fix their the borders. center they're cutting off the margin rather yeah, than just the, like no no look at the center look at you look at your marriage look at your life okay they're not they're not asking serious questions about what the center means. They're just saying the center is the center. And if it's falling apart, it's because of the margins. So let's cut off the margins. Okay. Now, I would be very interested to see how the debate on marriage in the United States and Canada um, and the debate on homosexuality and its prevalence in sort of the consciousness of the nation because like we go back and all of a sudden homosexuality isn't it's almost like a non-existent thing Mm -hmm. it's like it's talked about but not as a gender identity so this whole thing all comes up and i i my my gut reaction is that part of that is the church was the male we didn't understand the marriages and we're trying to strengthen the institution of the marriage and we started to erect our borders and lock and push people out and say it's failing because these people are trying to degrade it so let's oh let's scapegoating 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 oh. is like yeah of course the, that is what's happening human's most favorite pastime oh you have a I problem know. scapegoat yes um blame the I, jews yeah. blame blame the this the outsider blame the other group yes okay and i like getting back to the idea of the, the center and the outside and one of the things I said in the post is that you have to step back from the whole thing and understand that all identity exists in tension. Mm-hmm. Like if I am something, that means I am excluding something else mm-hmm. by definition. So if I'm me, then you can't be me. Mm-hmm. And as we scale up that identity through groups, that's where we get these ideas of the margins because a whole bunch of people fit into the group and some people don't fit into the group. Mm-hmm. But you can't have the group 
without the margin. It's, it's impossible. You, you can't have a world in which there is no homosexuality because the moment you define heterosexuality, implicit is homosexuality. You can't have one and not the other. They exist in tension with each other as forms of identity that are connected intimately. And you can't just, and I, the, the solution is not to destroy one and wreck the other, which is the human desire, like always, is to destroy the outsider and erect our ideal. Mm-hmm. The, the Christ solution has always been to bring in the outside and make a unity out of two separates. And I think that understanding how the margin defines the center and how important the margin is for the center and what the margin brings to the center, I think those conversations are much more in keeping with how Christ handled redemption than how we handle destruction. We basically Mm. just, what isn't us should be removed. And I think that we need to sort of step back and say, okay, if, it, if marriage is the center, not my marriage, but if marriage is the center, then what does the margin, how does the margin inform it? How do we include the margin in it? Because it's all intimately connected. And until we start having conversations geared in that way of finding unification rather than finding like submission or dominance or whatever. Or division power, and whatnot. Yeah. Or, yeah. Instead of building those walls and understanding that the truth exists on both sides and the stranger that comes carries a piece of your identity. So if you want to find out who you are, you bring them in. That's really good. That's really good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I need to be the interviewer, but I'm also like revelations are happening in my brain so okay that's good, that's good. I'm, i often worry i start talking and then no 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 no. it's it's glass, excellent glassy eyed no no this is uh wheels are turning sir and i hope so for the audience because this is really excellent stuff sorry can i just jump in yes yes beautiful segue um because you just talked about the audience yes i'm trying to play the role of the feminine. I'm trying to reframe the question. Okay. I'm not trying to give you answers. Mm. And I'm not trying to say, I know better than the gay community how to solve this crisis. Right. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to say is that the way we approach the problem is necessarily or implicitly con- like um, adversarial. Okay. Okay. And especially from the church's side because they're the center and they're trying to protect the marriage and they don't understand yet how the stranger informs the marriage. And I think that through a lot of good and honest talk and bringing these marginalized people in and saying, welcome in, this is the ritual, participate in it. I think that they will, they will inform or move our understanding marriage forward farther than all the conversation we've been having over the last hundred years, which has done nothing but destroy the marriage because. Okay. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to actually go into that next. So what, why are the marriages falling apart now? I told you I was framing the questions. Not I know, but I'm, 
I, but I'm literally the interviewer, so I uh, literally have to ask the questions. Have, you have to ask me. I <laughs> and don't, I'm tapping I don't, into the. I don't know if so. I'm. I don't know if I'm uh, qualified to even. Okay. Attempt okay. An let's reframe that. it. I think so, that. So what? What are some? Some um, patterns you've noticed. Okay. Here's okay. This is how I can answer it. I think that for a long time, we engaged in tradition as humans and we followed tradition and tradition has like language has it's symbolic and it allows us to make connections in the world that wouldn't otherwise be made mm -hmm. and i think that we have very highly developed language because humans have been talking for a long time and we we take concepts and we turn them into words and it kind of pulls the concept out of reality mm -hmm. um like there were no trees until somebody realized a steady pattern and said trees and then boom, we have trees everywhere. And that's like that speaking into being idea. Mm. Um, and I think that our, especially the postmodern age mm. where we've gotten really good, where our, our language has got so, so advanced, we can pull apart our stories and, pull apart the meanings and discuss the meanings independent of the stories. Mm. And we can do all of these tricks with our language that I don't think was necessarily available to other people. Mm. And I think that the meaning wasn't in the language. It was still in the world. And I think it still is. It's just that the postmodern mindset, we don't understand that the meaning is in the world. We just think the meaning is a bunch of dead matter and it doesn't really mean anything. Oh, um, okay because we put all the meaning into the language. Right. So we don't understand that all the meaning came from the world, the world that we're talking about. And so I think that these more traditional cultures for the majority of humans, uh, human civilization have left the meaning in the world and let the ritual and the engagement with the world bring the meaning out into their consciousness. Mm -hmm. So they didn't, they didn't need the words because just the time and the constant engaging with the ritual brought about that meaning. Mm -hmm. But we don't, we don't do that now. How so, so? Like, like, can you explain? Well, the postmodern idea or even the enlightenment idea was this idea that we could start to just examine the matter and we could understand it and we just know everything about it just from the facts. Right. right. And we didn't, we didn't see the, the vast connections of meanings anymore. Mm. Um, and so, what does the marriage mean? When we start deconstructing the marriage, what does it mean? Well, there's no examination. There's no scientific examination. Well, I guess there could be, but it would. I think it would fail over the course of a marriage to understand what a marriage is. Like, there's no scientific object that is a marriage that we can say, this is what it is. This is how it behaves. This is why we do it. Like, it doesn't have any of those types of qualities. So we don't even know how to talk about it because we talk about like things. I can tell you all about an atom. I mean, I can tell you about the biological uh, functions that are involved in procreation and how the cells work, but I can't tell you what any of it means. And because we don't understand that the meaning comes out of the experience and the meaning is in the ritual, we just don't see the meaning anymore. So and how do we get back to seeing the meaning well i mean some I, some people are right if you just stick with the tradition you will get there eventually because it's worked 
for people for has, but people aren't sticking with it though joel but, yeah so now we need to have we need to understand we need to have conversations about meaning and we need to or understand they're opting out like they're not even gonna get married people aren't even yeah. getting married they're just like no yeah. i'm not even going to engage because they don't see the point what's the point of getting married like what is the point of getting married I know. Oh, I just want to save the money for like a trip. That's what. Yeah. The tax, tax evasion, I guess. Yes. It's like, that's, that's what it's for in most people's minds because there's no conversation about meaning and they're not forced by their culture to engage in the ritual. Okay. So they don't, if it's like, if you want to grow up in like a traditional tribal culture, what do you mean you're not getting married? That's like, it's not even a choice. Right. That's what you do. So. Mm -hmm. Now that we have all these choices, we don't know what any of the choices mean. And so we don't understand what took a very, very long... Because remember, this whole thing started with the primogenitor idea mm. and this idea of succession of money. And, and that's... Land and, yeah. and, and well. living forever and like being like, oh, yeah. after my offspring and yeah. So... <sighs> We don't know what it means because we never extracted what it meant before we started destroying all the traditions. I think if it was easier for us during this, the modern and the postmodern sort of deconstruction of things to deconstruct the meanings out and actually do it well, maybe we wouldn't have gotten to this point. But I think that we just deconstructed it all. It's like when I hear like postmodernists talk about they they deconstruct like a story and it's 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 got the bias of the victor or whatever and the meaning is all projected on it by it just confirms the position of the storyteller and that's kind of what it's all about and so therefore this the, the narrative and the the patterns don't mean anything the patterns of beings don't mean anything it's just the the in the moment what's the matter that's the only thing that has any permanence that's the only real thing and that's inverse from the way we used to think about it which was the patterns are the real thing mm. and the matter is the transient sort right. of almost imaginary thing it's the thing that will come and grow and then go and now we treat it almost the opposite the the, the materialistic the, world is what's per, well, yeah, permanent yeah we, we, we pretend the material is what is permanent and real and we pretend the meaning is just bias overlaid onto matter right and so we have no respect for what the meaning could be and so we just we never I, I think, and I don't think it was done on purpose necessarily. And lots of, I mean, all of this came out of very Christianized cultures. Mm. So I think, I don't think they intended to do it. I just don't think they noticed they were doing it. Right. And then all of a sudden we got to a place where kids are growing up and they're like, why get married? My parents fight all the time. It looks like hell. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Or, or like, oh, they got, they just got divorced. So let's just choose yeah, let's every just, day. Let's just skip that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know, I'll go with you for as far as I can, but then if our if if I don't want to be tied down and they don't understand what all of those and how would you it's 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 you have to bet your whole life on it why would you do that bet your whole I life did? yeah like... and then, well we grew up in the tradition I think a little bit yeah. more yeah. Yeah. right so it was a little bit more expected and the natural thing to do but it's at the same time, it's like, if you don't understand what it's for, and if you're not engaging it because it's the tradition, then why? Because you're going to bet your whole life. Well, no, because you can get divorced, but divorce, no one wants to get a divorce. It's yeah. terrible. So yeah. 
you're you, you're making a pretty heavy bet on something that nobody can really tell you what it's about tax tax purposes right yes right and so yes. it's it just gets deconstructed the meaning sort of well, boils kids, off kids are if people live together for many years i've seen what makes them choose to get married then is oh we're we're, we're gonna have kids next year or we're we are all already pregnant so we're gonna have yeah, and kids they often have, make them people take that step with marriage. I see. It's almost like they implicitly understand the that aspect of it that a the child, this child growing up in a stable environment is important because well, it's going you, back to the patriarchs, right, with the 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 primogeniture and like the kid, <sighs> an offspring, and the kid. It kind of. Yeah, it is there, that back. aspect of it's still there. Yeah, definitely, because it's no, about not for wealth, ensuring but just their for, future. Yeah, yeah, this being together for the yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It, it's a wow. I didn't expect it. I mean, yeah, I didn't expect it to quite go here. But that's why I love talking. Yeah, like with I said, people. it's there's a, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot there's of different a lot ways to go, it can go through. Because it's, it connects to how we understand identity and how we, and this is why it's such a sensitive issue is because like identity is how you understand your entire world. Mm -hmm. Because once you've defined who you are, you've implicitly defined everything else too. Mm. Like I said, everything exists in that tension. Mm. Um, here's a trip from like, cause the symbolic people will be able to follow along, but yeah. in Genesis and the idea that if there's a splitting and then there's the splitting and then there's the splitting. So God separates um, the heavens from the earth and mm -hmm. the land from the sea and the sky from the earth. And there's all of this splitting, splitting, splitting. He's creating identity through separation. Okay. And there's this idea that everything is separated, separated, separated. And then we're, we're like this manifestation of all these separations and we have this identity and we're existing. And then we're trying to figure out how to get back up to the top. We're trying to get to that place where our identity is against the thing that is actually real. Mm. What are we in relation, in tension with the thing that is everything, God. Mm -hmm. And humanity is constantly trying to climb up to the top and constantly trying to push off the stuff they don't want. And Jesus comes to the bottom and then brings it all brings back together. All, and then, and then he takes us. He, he like snap, like he shatters the gates to hell or the gates to death or whatever that symbolism is like that, that is gone. And then the veil in the temple is torn. So all these spaces are collapsing. Uh -huh. So he's, he's creating unity out of the multiplicities. So all the multiplicities oh, okay. that created the identity, he's They're bringing like, them all back together. Okay. That's, 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 why I'm, that's why I keep going back, and I mentioned it in the comment on the Facebook about the Christ consciousness and the Christ pattern, and that he brings unity, not division. And he oh, because the separation his, started at the beginning with the separating of the, the light and the dark and the land yeah. and the sea and whatnot, like you were saying. I was waiting for, I'm like, there's going to be unity at some point. So yes, so there, there's that. And then he comes and he He comes unifies. and brings unity to the whole system. So you, even though there's all these separations, he destroys them all in a certain aspect. So he brings unity to everything. And okay. I think that that same idea, when we're looking at the the center and the margin and then bringing in the outsider what are we doing we're creating a unity where there was a division mm. and we're constantly bringing in and we're creating unity and we're creating unity so if we're not doing that 
for not understanding that the thing we have, the center we have, is not the thing. It's directed towards the thing. Right. And we, we have such trouble looking at there instead yeah. of the, th the thing. Yeah. yeah. And the more we understand that uh, the integration, when you can't just look at the center, you have to look at the margin too to understand what the whole thing is. And okay. then when you do that and you can bring the margin and the center together, the margin's always going to be the margin. The center's always going to be like, there's always going to be a preponderance of heterosexual people. But when you understand that the perceived tension of identity is a higher form of unity. Mm that Christ unifies everything in a higher aspect, then I think that's when you can start to actually, you can stop the, the process of the dividing and you can start the process of the building up, which is to participate in the body of Christ, in my opinion. <laughs> this is a good spot, I think, to end. But man, I, I have a feeling I'll probably have you on again because there's a lot of other topics that I would really love to pick your brain on. So, yeah so yes sure. okay. i enjoy talking about it but it's difficult to find people who are um well, just just because it's so it's such like identity is such an important issue uh -huh. and religious identity is part of identity and uh -huh. then when i come at it and i'm uh, i appear to be just playing fast and loose i'm sure like most people just listen to what i'm saying and they're yeah. like you're just a heretic like yeah don't get me don't uh, get me talking about like heaven and hell and what those things mean and all that stuff because people just like they're a heretic but then i in my opinion and i think i've conveyed it is i'm tying it all back in to the, the the pattern that all of these divisions are based off of i'm trying to say that the way i'm i'm trying to find the higher unity where we've created the divisions and I'm, that's the way i'm looking at it and because i've stepped away from the tradition for so long and criticized it for so long. And then suddenly through people like Peugeot and others just been like, oh my gosh, like this pattern is everywhere. But this is the same pattern that I grew up with. Yeah. That's what they were talking about. Yes. And we got so obsessed with the form that we forgot what it was pointing towards. Right. And we created idols out of all these different things. And we said, you know, this is the thing that everyone has to do. And we really couldn't explain it. You just had to do it. And right. I think, at least for me, a lot of people probably have a lot of life in the church, but the church is declining uh -huh. globally. And in my generation, it was really a big decline. And I think that we couldn't understand what these things were pointed at. They just look like idols. Okay. And I've now come all the way around and I'm seeing these problems. And I'm like, I totally get what Christ was trying to point towards okay. now. And I see what these patterns were meaning, but now we have to incorporate it into a postmodern world. And mm. none of these ideas were formulated in a postmodern world. No. So they're all. Oh, they they're were all, not. They're all in a time. They're all in a time capsule, and we yeah. have to try and figure out what was what what it was meaning. And What's so you the can't meaning? you can't just pull out the book and say it says it here, mm. and then therefore, ergo, we must do. It's like right. well. You don't know what that actually meant. Okay, that's a good place to stop. <laughs> you, 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 no, no, you keep on coming out with great stuff, but I'm like, okay, we're, it, I just, good places to stop keep keep coming up, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, never you. Off, I'll, I'll, I'll never stop you. I'll never, I love it. No, but I, it's, this is an excellent talk, and I am very, very excited to look over this when I edit, so. Thank you so Sweet. much for chatting, Joel. Thank you, this is so good. Thanks for having me, that was fun.
for sure. Oh, good. Great. I look forward to the next one now.